I feel like I just don't trust anybody and that isn't good. Mm. But it also <laughs> it also puts you in a situation where like you can't get hurt. And that's definitely a coping mechanism. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. I'm Mario. And I'm Peter. And we're guys, guys that, that listen. listen. On today's episode, we got a very special guest, Mike. <laughs> welcome to the show. Tell us a little about yourself. My name's Mike. Uh grew up in Huntington Beach, lived in California pretty much my whole life. Um lived I guess just a pretty boring childhood standard oh. nothing <laughs> nothing too crazy you know had a good family grew up went to private school private school kid until oh, wow. graduated high school and then did the whole four-year college thing at Cal State Fullerton oh, nice continued with a little extra college after that and got bored and then somehow wound up working in the clothing industry <laughs> were you always into clothing though it kind of morphed into that based on oh. the needs of one of my friends. So I grew up, uh, I was really into photography. Okay, nice. Like kind of in middle school, going into high school, I took some photography classes and I kind of just did it, you know, on my own as a hobby. And then my friend kind of started his own clothing brand, Jim. Mm. was like, hey, like you want to come by and take some pictures? And one thing led to another and I just kept coming by and coming by. And he was like, hey, like, I'm paying all these guys all this money to do, like, graphic design for my T-shirts. And I was like, hey, like, I can, I can do graphic design. And, mm. you know, I could at the time, <laughs> I guess. It was, you know, it was a quick learning curve. And then that got into doing graphic design for his T-shirts and, you know, learning, I guess, the whole process of how to use Adobe Illustrator yeah. and how that translates into a T-shirt. And then... From there, just kept learning. I was like hungry because it was something I was good at, but I just didn't know that much about it. Mm. And so I just went on YouTube University and was just consuming everything that I could about anything graphic design related, even if it was like, I'm probably never going to use this. Like, I just wanted to know oh, wow. the ins and outs of the Adobe suite, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And then still continued to do photography along with that. And then that just opened doors to you know, other people with similar interests and just kept growing, I guess. Nice. Wow. That's, that's wild. It's one of the first times I hear someone gets into like the clothing industry without really a prior interest. But then once you get into it, then you just like absorb everything and you're learning so much and you don't even know if you're ever going to use it. And you find yourself like here, like still now working in like clothing. Yeah. And I don't really ever see myself doing anything different, I oh, guess, wow. in terms of like nine to five work, if you will. Yeah. But I'm not opposed to the idea of change. I'll just kind of see what happens. Yeah. Where did but, it lead you to becoming so immersed in graphic design after, I mean, I'm assuming you eventually left uh, that company? No, I'm still, oh. I still actually help him. Uh, oh, his do? shop's over in Santa Ana. Yeah. Oh, wow. And so to this day, um, it's really, I don't want to say it's just me and him. From my standpoint, it's just me and him, but I know that there's other people that help him mm. as well, you know, with like video and, um, you know, getting his stuff up, doing the back end. Um, I just don't know the intricacies of that because it doesn't involve me. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't want to make it sound like it's just me and him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know so it's I mean? just you and him. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it seems like that. No, but it's just, he's been somebody that, I feel like a sense of loyalty too, because mm. he kind of gave me the opportunity. Like he trusted me 
with his money in the beginning. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, and I had his best interests at heart. But he kind of gave me the opportunity, introduced me to people who then introduced me to other people. Um, and he's just always had my back. And I've always had his. So I feel this sense to not like leave him behind. Yeah. Mm. Not that he couldn't find anybody anybody else that does exactly what I do, but I just feel like like that's my friend. Like I've known him since we were in like seventh grade. Oh wow. Oh, that's um, your brothers yeah. go way back. Yeah. yeah. And like His we family. played we played football together like back in the day. And so I was like, I wanna see like I wanna see him eat. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. And mm. you know so unless he literally is just like, yo, like I don't want you to do this for me anymore. I'll be like, okay bro. Like that's your decision like there's no hard feelings there at all it's just if he feels like this other person represents better what the brand has going for him by all means dude. yeah like i want what's best for you mm. is there a goal you have in mind uh together that you guys have in mind for the brand i feel like we both just like making cool shit mm. <laughs> i love that so he's like it's not necessarily like like you make stuff with your customer in mind but not necessarily for your customer yeah mm. Because, I mean, I guess different people subscribe to different philosophies when it comes to that. But it's like, if I'm making something that I'm not going to wear, then what's the point? Yeah. Like, to me, that's kind of, you're just like chasing the bag, yeah. which I mean, you can do. Like, you can just go on eBay and look at all the vintage shirts that just sold and like make something that's super similar, which is fine. There's nothing against that. That's mm -hmm. just not what I like to do. Yeah. Like, I like to do something that one fits like his brand and two, the customer will also like, um, but also that we would wear. Because again, like I could sit there and rip designs all day and never wear it. And yeah, it would make a lot of money, but like it'd be like soulless almost. Mm -hmm. Like there's nothing like vested in there. It's just like, all right, like, yeah, we're just, it's almost like extortion at that point. It's like, yeah, just give us your money. Like we don't care about you. But yeah. no, like I want to make like the highest quality for the best price and something that other people would be like yeah like i fuck with this like i like this yeah. it'll make cool shit yeah yeah pretty much that's what's, what's, not what's the brand uh really his brand is rare breed life uh this episode is sponsored by rare breed life <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> kevin doesn't know that yet sorry bro hey that's that's so interesting because like speaking about the loyalty that you have to him obviously he's your brother that i'm i'm very loyal to a lot of my friends too and the reason why he's able to have you around for so long is you're loyal because you feel like a little bit indebted to him. Like, oh, he put, he put me on. He trusts me with all this. I Would you say you wouldn't be here without him? Like where you're at? That's hard to say. I wouldn't say I necessarily feel indebted to him. Mm -hmm. Like he put me on, but like I was the person who actually went and got it. Mm -hmm. So like he presented the opportunities to me and I'll forever be thankful for that. But like. I was the one who kind of solidified my position with everybody else. Mm. So it's not necessarily like a debt as it is. I don't know. I don't know necessarily the word I'm looking for. Mm. I mean, I feel but, like you have a sense of loyalty because they gave you, he gave you the opportunity and that's pretty much it. Cause you're the one who went and studied all the graphic design. You're the one who went to do YouTube university. You didn't have to do that, you know? No. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's like, again, like I'm very thankful and I'll forever be like loyal to him. Mm -hmm. and want what's best for him. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't say that I feel like in debt, mm, it, if that makes it. sense. No, do you feel like, because if I was in your position, and this is speaking for myself, right? I think at maybe a certain point I would feel like that, but I would feel like I've 
paid off my dues. Like I paid off my debt. Like I'm here on my own accord. I stand on my two, my own two feet. So it's not necessary that like you're maybe or at least myself. I would be any longer in debt to him. But at one point, I would feel like that, and that I there's a reason why I'm here. It's yeah. not just because of him. Like I put myself out there to go get it and make something out of myself. And it just kind of goes back to what we were, we talked about this like off camera, where it's like people don't want to chalk things up to luck, especially when it comes to like success, because you know they just don't want to use it as a variable. But you know a lot of life is luck, right? A lot of business and success is luck, and it really is just opportunity meets preparation, and mm-hmm. that's what you kind of did, what right? Luck is. So yeah. yeah. And to hear you explain this now, it's like, because earlier we were like relating to it, I can kind of see it from your experience now, which makes a lot of sense. I guess if I ever did feel like I was in debt to him, I feel like we're square now. Oh, yeah. But that doesn't change the loyalty aspect of it. I'm not trying to just take money out of bro's pocket Mm -hmm. just because I know that he can turn around and sell this. Yeah, yeah. But like at the same time, like I don't do my stuff for free. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. so everybody eats. And I just feel like that's what's the most important for maintaining that relationship as healthy as it's been for the last four years. Yeah. That's important, actually. I feel like the best kind of like business relationships are the ones where you both eat and you have like both a good amount on your plate that you can eat. Because I I feel like when I do business, like it's like, you know, you want to make sure that the people you work with, they're getting their money and you're getting your money as well. And it's hard to find that sometimes where it's Mm -hmm. like people want our greedy and want to take the most, you know, and like maybe you don't eat as much, but that's, I think that's what makes a difference between like good relationships where like, you know, you know, you both Mm -hmm. are getting paid, you know, you're both working on what you want to do and together you can like both eat. Yeah. And I feel like people really get hung up on who's getting paid the most, which if you really take a step back and look at it, it comes down to, I guess, like the roles that you play. And I can't speak, on, on your behalf, but yeah. I can speak on mine is where like, he's the one who took the risk, started his own business, put himself out there and was successful with it. And it didn't happen overnight. So it took him, you know, seven, eight years to build up to what he is now. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm going to design something for him that I know he's say going to make $10,000 a profit on, like, I don't expect to make $10,000. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, yeah, like I helped him out and you can sit there and get jealous and be like, oh, well, like he's doing this, he's doing that. It's like, if you want to make $10,000 a month from like one client, you need to provide them with $200,000 of value. Because mm-hmm. um, if he's making 10 and I'm making 10, then that's a 50-50 split. He might as well just sign over half the company to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? I guess from like the clothing standpoint, you need to look at like cost of goods Yeah. Mm-hmm. in terms of like X, Y, or Z. So if he's making, you know, if he's going to make $10,000 a profit, I might get 500 bucks. Yeah. Which, you know, for the effort that I put in, I need to sit there and be like, is this worth my time? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. this worth it for me for this result? And sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't. And I just feel like if the respect is mutual or it's like, hey, like this, honestly, I can't continue to do this because I'm losing money. Mm-hmm. Then there's a lot of things that can happen, but it's important that everybody understands that where it's not like a selfish thing where I'm not expecting to make a ridiculous check from you. Yeah. But like, I can't continue to do this at least with this level of attentiveness mm. or this level of response or turnaround time. Yep. Like if you want to be the priority, then you have to, 
I have to be getting at least enough to live off of. You know what I mean? Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, it's kind of like knowing your self-worth, you know, what you're putting into, the effort you're putting in. So has that led you to other projects and other things to go beyond that company? I mean, I would say I work with three people primarily. Mm. Um, one of which I was introduced to by Kevin and one of which was just complete luck. Still don't know how it happened. <laughs> um, so the other company that I, I guess I would say is my nine to five is a shoe company um, in weightlifting. And I mm. do the apparel design for that. Kind of handle all of the domestic manufacturing for it. And wow. some overseas stuff, but there's other people in place for that that are way better than I am. Um, and then through there, that actually led me to buy the screen print company that I had been using for a couple of years. And then while I owned that, I made the third connection. And that's just been insane ever since then oh. sold the screen print company back to the original owner still, what? S- <laughs> still use it for a route of manufacturing and then just help i mean i like i said i work with those three people but i help people around them as well yeah. if they're like hey this is the guy who does this for me and they're like hey like adam told me that you do this like can you can you help me with that I'm like yeah bro let's do it like and again like you look at everything for what it's worth. And if you sit there and charge everybody $5,000 just for texting you, then nobody's really going to want to work with you. Damn. So, <laughs> and there's, you know, there's people like that, like, oh, my consulting fee for me having a meeting with you is three grand. And I'll just be like, bro, just call me. Like, we can yeah. talk. Like, I'm, I'm not that busy. He's actually charging us 3000 for this episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. Six, because <laughs> there's two of you. Damn. <laughs> That's wild, though. So you sold the screen company back to the original owner. Yeah. How how does that even work? Like, did he reach out to you or him or her? Like, It was kind of mutual. So he's been in the game for probably longer than I've been alive. Mm. Oh, wow. And he was just kind of like over running the business, like just the business side of things. Um, and so I was like, hey, like, why don't I come in, like help build everything up? You know, maybe we can get you into a new space or mm-hmm. this, that, and the other. And, he was with it. And then through there was able to kind of like use the ownership of that to leverage more jobs, I guess, obviously. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like, Oh, Hey, like, yeah, I do graphic design for them, but I also own like the print company. Yeah. And then it just got to the point where the retainer that I was getting from certain people in my eyes, I wasn't holding up my end mm. of the deal with them. Oh, wow. um, not that they weren't getting their product or anything, but it was like, look, if you're paying me this, like, I'm, I don't feel like I'm giving you enough attention in the day. Wow. Um, and so we had a meeting and basically I was like, yo, like I still want all of the same pricing that, you know, I would get. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I'm going to sell it back to you. Like you have a new spot now you have, you know, another employee to help you out. Nice. Um, like it's a bigger space so you can take on bigger work and more work mm-hmm. and he has somebody subleasing out the other space so he doesn't have that huge lease payment on his own um and I was like I'll continue to go to you as long as this is maintains or as long as we maintain a healthy working relationship yeah. and I was like okay nice wow you yeah um, you leverage that spot to like keep that pricing low at the same time now you, you know you can fulfill the rest of your duties to everyone else that you're working with because now you got extra time. You're not running that whole business. And that's that's crazy because you, at one point, and 
I'm not saying that you're no longer, but like you made yourself more of a valuable asset, right? You weren't just a graphic designer. You also were the guy that would connect you with like the printing company, right? With the units and with the pricing. And I feel like that's not something a lot of people do. Like if you're, some people will be stuck at graphic design, like, and not to say that there's anything wrong with that, because obviously there's some great graphic designers out there that will make a grip low of money, but they differentiate yourself. Well, you differentiate yourself by also adding on something to your repertoire, right? Which is understanding the other side of the business, the printing side, which is crucial to merch. I think that there's just a huge disconnect, at least in the industry, between graphic designers and like manufacturing. Mm-hmm. And I recognized that early because mm-hmm. I didn't know shit about screen printing. Yeah. And so I'd be sending the printer like this crazy ass, like 300 color design. He's just like, or is what it like broke down to. And he'd just be like, bro, like we can't do this. And I'm like, what do you mean? Just put it on there. (laughs) Like I didn't know. So like I just texted him one day and like, I used to just go to a shop and watch and just be like, okay, so like, this is why, you know, eight colors is more expensive than one color is because it takes you five times longer to set it up. Yeah. Um, And all these materials are expensive. And so I feel like if you're going to be, like, not that all graphic designers have to know screen printing, but if you're graphic designing for print, you should know, at least in general, how it works. You don't need to know, like, additives and, like, crazy stuff like that. But it's just, like, you should generally know how screen printing works. Mm. Um, I agree with that. I I feel like uh, in business, just in general, like in any business, even though, let's say for instance, uh, you know, I run this event company, right? Like I personally don't DJ myself, but I always think that I should kind of understand how everything works. You know, what wires go where, what you need for power, you know, what are the moving pieces to this, you know, because before I used to be like, oh, just show up here and play music. And then I was like, oh, why can't you just show up? Oh, don't have the same equipment. Oh, different DJs use different kind of equipment. You know, it's like what you're asking for, they possibly can't do. So I was like, oh, I actually need to know all sides of the business instead of just being the middleman to everything, you know? And just like that, like, you know, going back to screen printing, you know, I've, I've you know, dipped my hand in merch and I've had the same, like, realization where, oh, shit, why can't I afford to make this $8, or sorry, eight-color shirt and sell it for, like, 30 bucks? Because it doesn't make sense, right? The numbers don't add up. And then you go there and you kind of understand why minimums are a thing, right? Or why if you order more, it gets cheaper, yeah, it's for anyone who doesn't know, like when you make a screen, they charge you for the screen. So, you know, they could, I don't know what the prices are now, but, you know, I've had screen parents charge me like 20 to 30 bucks for a screen. And each screen you use for a specific color and they could change up to where you have different tones. But let's say you have a red, that screen's going to cost you like 20, 25 bucks. And then if you have like also blue, that screen's going to cost you 20, 25 bucks. And you print on one shirt. So they they run the screen two times, right, for both colors, and it's a $5 shirt. Your shirt alone already costed you, like, 60-something bucks because now you have the two screens that you got to pay for, the cost of the shirt, and for them to do the labor, right? So that's why now the screen's already done, but if you order more shirts, they just need – now you only need to pay for the cost of basically making – doing the labor, and that's what a lot of people know because when you throw in colors and throw in designs, you think it's just like, oh, you just put it in. Unless it's direct to garment. And that's that's another totally different thing, right? Yeah, that's a completely different, I guess, machine in yeah. and of itself. Mm-hmm. Which there's pros and cons to each. And it's kind of, I don't even, it's like an internal knowledge. And that sounds kind of like cringy, but you just <laughs> learn like when. When you're going to need to use DTG and yeah. when you can use 
um, screen printing. So just to put out there, direct-to-garment is a printer where you put your clothes through or your, you know, whatever piece of, you know, merch you're trying to make, and then it prints onto the garment. And, but then that produces different results than screen printing, right? Traditional screen printing has different benefits for different reasons. So it's like how you were saying, you know, you, you learn through the experience and then you kind of know which one makes sense. Like for DTG, it makes a lot of sense to do multicolor because you could do a bunch of colors and it just prints on. You don't have to burn like a screen for each, every single color, right? So if you know that after going through that experience, you're like, oh, okay, this is not the right medium to use to produce like this kind of garment. But at the same time, it's like the industry feels like it's changing so much that it's moving a lot faster now. You know, I feel like direct-to-garment was never good enough for a long-ass time for it to be really viable, you know? Uh, usually what people use direct-to-garment for a lot of times is if they want to do like a one-off, right? So like let's say you want to make like a shirt that says like... Live fast, eat ass. You live fast, eat ass or something <laughs> like that. You you do direct-to-garment because like there's that cost of the screen is not just that. And so you just print out on a shirt, design gets loaded, and that's it. But like that's not something that people know because regular consumers, all they see is the final product. Right, like we actually get to see the insides of it, like how it functions, the moving parts, and to us now it makes sense. Now I'm like, oh, that's why people price certain things so expensive. I mean, there's still certain things I still don't understand, where I'm like, okay, we just paid like 150 bucks for a white T-shirt, like that. I, I, I'm like, that's just marketing, that's just <laughs> yeah. branding. You know what I mean? Like, like I can't justify it exactly. You know, like, like if you got money, fucking do it. But still, at the same time, like, damn, that's a totally different animal. Because now he, because this is what I'm seeing from the way you talk about business. It seems very non like it doesn't sound like capitalism, right? Like you're <laughs> you're not like, let me gouge these people for as much money as it's gonna make. You're like, I wanna make the best garment for the lowest price for someone that like really enjoys it. Complete opposite, right? But at the same time, that's that's the way your business runs. That's the way all of the businesses that you've been working with runs, I'm assuming, right? And there's the opposite way where it's like the main focus is not Maybe even on the quality. It's just on like how it's perceived. And I feel like that's really, really different for people to understand when you go out and you see someone buy like a $150 white t-shirt. Because I understand where you're coming from more because I always grew up as that consumer. Like I just want something dope, something that's like nice, uh, you know, something that, that I just enjoy that I would wear, you know. And that's really the way I think about business, at least when it comes to like merch. But do you think now – being the, the person that you are doesn't you don't work on making the most out of like each garment like as far as like making the most money when you see those people do that what what's your thought process can you justify it yourself or is it just like oh that's just a different side of the coin i can justify it and i think it's a different side of the coin mm. in the same stroke so i mean it honestly depends so like there's some companies that manufacture solely in LA. Everything is made in the US. Yeah. And that's going to be a hell of a lot cheaper or a hell of a lot more expensive than manufacturing overseas, whether yeah. it be in South or Central America or China or anywhere in Asia. Um so you know, I can get say a hoodie, do a one color print on it, be out the door, bagged, label everything for 17 bucks. Mm -hmm. And then you know, turn around and sell that for $65, $70, you know, simple. And, you know, just like a word mark something. Yeah. But then since everything for them is custom, say manufactured in the U.S., 
Um, they're going to be paying for the factory in the U.S. to do it. And then they have to source all the material. They have to sew it. They have to pay the cutter. They have to pay the pattern maker. They have to pay the screen printer. And then they have to pay the factory again for assembling the garment. Mm -hmm. And then the factory is going to put 20% on everything that everybody else does because it's their time. And, you know, like phone calls take up time. And if you're paying your employees hourly, then mm. that's what you have to do. So then you're out the door finished at $60. And it's like, okay, now you're going to 2X it or you're going to 3X it. And that's up to you. Like, I'm not going to tell you you can only make this much or you can only 2X or you can only 3X. You know, but if it's costing you $60 out the door, mm -hmm. then, you know, is it worth selling it for 120 Or are you going to want to sell it for 180 Yeah, sometimes even more than that. Yeah, I mean, 300 Yeah. I see... I've used hoodies that I've sold for less than $100 being sold for 300 and people buying them just because of the name that's on it. Yeah. Which... Who am I to say that that's wrong? Like, that's just not me. Yeah. Like, to me, it's kind of played out. Hmm. I guess if I'm going to sell something, I don't want, I don't care if it sells out, but I don't want the limited availability to be because of the price. Hmm. Like, if some kid wants to buy it, I want him to be able to buy it. But, like, how many of these, how many people can really sit there and afford a $300 hoodie? That means you just got 900 bucks in the bank that's just chilling. That you don't give a fuck what happens to it. And you're going to spend a third of it on a hoodie. <laughs> I mean, again, I'm not going to tell anybody what to do with their money. Yeah. But to me, that's kind of wild. That's crazy. <laughs> there are people like that. They'll spend every single dime on just like clothes that try to represent something. And mm -hmm. I feel like that is a huge part in like marketing, you know? It's like, why do you perceive this to be 300 bucks? And why are you willing to spend it in order to, you know, what, show that you represent this brand, even though it's like you might be going broke doing it? And again, you know, I'm not going to tell you how to spend your money. That's the way I think. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to put myself in a struggle situation to get like a hoodie that to me might represent something, unless it's something that maybe, you know, another argument would be like if it's something that will last you for your whole life, right? something you're going to keep with you forever because at least that's been my mindset. Like I don't really buy stuff anymore where I know probably two or three months down the line, I'm probably not going to wear it yeah. again. You know what I mean? Like I, I actually have pieces that I've had for over like 10 years and I'm like, okay, I'd probably could have this for another 10 years, you know, or 30 or 40 until it like falls apart. But I think that's really, I don't know if that's like a, like an adult thing. I don't know if it's just me getting older, but definitely I don't follow the trends nearly as much. So I just kind of want to keep everything that I have as long as I possibly can. What do you guys think? I think you're cheap. <laughs> I mean, there's that too. There's that too. I mean, I just think that there's there's a lot more to buying clothes than wearing it. Because like, I have a homie who buys, he may spend a gang of money on something that I would never, but he collects. Mm -hmm. He doesn't even wear it. It's like they're like art pieces to him oh, where it'd be like a limited edition shirt that he has from like 2012 that, you know, you can go on eBay and find it for 500 bucks, but he doesn't care. Like he has that shirt and it's like in his closet in a bag. Oh, it's wow. perfect, like pristine. And that's his thing. Yeah. And again, 
nobody's wrong for doing anything, yeah, yeah. but like, that's just not my thing. That's so if you're going to buy a $300 hoodie for like the collectible value of it, that's totally fine. I just, that's not what I guess my aim is. Mm. Now, if the price is justifiable at 300 bucks because I put, you know, a year's worth of R and D into this project and, you know, each unit cost me $120 because of the material I selected. It's really good quality. Then, yeah, I'm going to sell it for 300 bucks. Mm. That makes and sense. you're going to get something that's really good quality. But, again, I just, I kind of laugh on the inside when I see hoodies that I've made for uh. people. And then I see another company using the same exact hoodie for, you know, six times the price. And you mean same exact like uh, brand? Like the same exact blank. Same exact blank. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I mean, you stare at stuff long enough, you can pick it out. Yeah. You know that, like, oh, there's like a side gusset on this. Like that's what this is, mm. or th that's how the eyelets are. Oh, that's this. Yeah. And you know, some people are so lazy they don't even take like the manufacturer's tag out. <laughs> and I'm just I'm like that's kind of disrespectful. So uh, <laughs> I wanted to ask you about the that third company you said you were working with. You could talk a little about that. Uh, the third company is a company called Foul Play. So I do, or I help with, I would say most of the domestic manufacturing um, for Foul Play and then some small overseas projects. Um, but mostly, on anything that's printed or embroidered domestically, uh, I'm the one who they trust to do that. <laughs> What's your role exactly? Sizing everything, I guess when I get the tech packs from Adam, I make sure that one, it's actually possible and he's very knowledgeable about the industry. So he normally doesn't send me anything that's not possible. Um, but not only possible in terms of like, can we print this, but is it cost effective to print this this way or should we do it this way? Um, Cause to a certain extent, size does play a role. That's in printing, oh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the motion of the ocean. Um, so there's like a set size limit in terms of like width and height and stuff like that. And then once you go over that, it at some shops it's more expensive, and at the shop I use it is more expensive. Um, and then managing the production, and then depending on the turnaround time that he needs stuff, either forward it out to Phoenix for him or I just drive it, okay. save him some money. Okay. Wow. And then rinse and repeat month after month, year after year. <laughs> and then he has a lot of friends around him that do something similar. So we all, we all work with each other to some extent. And there's some times where, you know, they'll use somebody else. It's, you know, it's fine. I'm, everybody eats and at the root of it I just want everybody to succeed and so whether they use me or not as long as they're succeeding then that's what it's about like is that common like because uh, we, we talked a little bit this about off camera about the culture there just where it's like everybody gets to eat is that something that's just in this business that you've worked with in just this company or is that something that's part of like the culture in all of this all these other companies you've worked at it's not like a standard, but you can find it. And when you find it, it's important to hold on to it. Mm. Um, 
because they're not necessarily companies that you're going to retire with, like in terms of like the compensation that you're getting for your work. Like you get what's fair and then they get what's fair. Because again, it's about the risk that you're taking versus the risk that they had to take to get there. And so, you know, I may front $10,000 for a capsule, let's just say, for handling all of the setup and manufacturing. But I'm taking no risk because I know that I'm at least getting paid that back. And so it's not like it cost me it didn't cost me anything. It cost me credit card points. Yeah. You know, like, and like, there's no risk there. But then when you really sit back and look at it, it's like, damn, like all of this for this month cost, you know, $45,000. So they need to at least make $45,000 to break even. And then after that, maybe profit, but then you have to pay, your production manager, you have to pay your photographer, you have to pay your warehouse staff, you have to pay for shipping, you have to pay for the materials to ship it in. So like, you know, add another 20 grand on top of that. So now you need to make $65,000 off of this 40,000 or 45,000 that you leveraged up front before you can even start thinking about how much money you're going to make yourself. And so when everybody understands everything that goes into it, it works really well because nobody's sitting there being like, I only got this much. I only got that much. Like I'm not going to put that much effort into it. And it's just like, look, bro, like if you want to make that much more money then put the effort in to get the company to doing, you know, four or $500,000 a month. And I promise you, nobody's going to complain that you're getting paid 10 grand. You seem very knowledgeable about so many aspects of like the industry. Um, do you find, do you consider yourself like a veteran at this point? No. And uh, do you still? <laughs> no, <laughs> that was quick. No. <laughs> uh, when what? How do you see yourself in this company that you're working at? Like in terms of like you know your experience, knowledge, then. Bro, I'm the shittiest person at everything. <laughs> like everybody that is there in that group is better than I am at everything that I do. Like, I manage production, which plays a small role in, I guess, actually running the company. But, like, Adam's a way better designer than I am, way better businessman than I am. Dario's a way better photographer. Manny's a way better warehouse manager and designer. Jordan's a way better designer. Like, that whole team is better than me at everything. And then I'm just cool with it because I get to sit there and learn and like pick and choose little stuff. And it's not like you get introduced to a circle like this and they just give you all this secretive information about like, oh, this is how we design. This is how we do this. You know, it's like you put the effort in. So like, if I was to design something and I say, send it to Manny or Adam, be like, yo, what do you guys think of this? They'll be like, oh, I would add this or that and then like warp it like this. And it's like, oh, okay. And then you like do it and they're like, yeah. like, And then you look at it and you're like, oh, damn, like this is actually like way better this way. Or like I like it way more. Or it completes the design. Mm. And so it's, it's not like that's free information, but it's not like they're just sitting there being like, this is how you do this. Like they just give you 
their honest feedback. And if you're, I guess, a sponge and you're soaking it all up, then you get better. And that's the whole point of all of this is becoming better because then everything grows. And if the bottom line is to make more money, then grow. Don't just sit there and expect is that to so, be paid more, I guess. Is that what you've always been like? Because you said, like, you know, when you got into, uh, when your homie gave you a shot and you started graphic designing for him, you were just like, YouTube University, going in all this. Like, is that just an aspect of your personality you've always had? Or do you have down moments, too, where you're like, fuck, I'm the shittiest person here? I mean, it's not all, like, highs. Like, there's yeah. some times where, like, everybody questions their own work at some point. And in some cases, like, the most critical. But... I guess like I'll just sit there and I'll be like, this photo's shit. And then my <laughs> friend will be like, what are you talking about? I'll be like, look at this. He'll be like, he like can't even tell. So, I mean, you're your own worst critic. But I think, I guess in my opinion, it's better than just being your own yes man. Mm-hmm. Like everything you do is perfect when it's probably not or it could be better. Um, but yeah, that group is, it's an anomaly in and of itself. Like, just a great group of humans like even on a personal level like those are my friends not just like people I do business with you know what yeah. I mean like so like I want to do well because it's my friend not just a paycheck every month yeah type shit so I would say I I can only speak from my experience though in terms of like is that how it is everywhere with three companies that I primarily work with, yeah. But I feel like that's why I primarily work with them. Mm. And then that's not to say that like, you know, other people that come in from those spheres are any different. It's just, I would say they're my friends, but it's more transactional. Mm. Like they're not as involved in running a brand, um, but they still do it. Like, I guess whenever they want to or whenever they come up with a new idea, cool. Um, And I haven't, I haven't met anybody who is very greedy in that sense where it's just like, oh, I just want all the money and I'm not going to take care of you at all. Um, Not to say that they don't exist. I just haven't met them. Mm. But I've also worked with three companies out of the thousands that exist, so... Take that for what it's worth, I guess. <laughs> yeah. You know, it seems like you're a very, like, you love to, like, learn. That's what I'm getting from you because, well, you went to school and then you went to all these businesses and you took classes on YouTube and then you go to the print shop and you, like, you watch them. And, again, you're surrounded by this group of people who you're learning so much from. And, you know, I'm going to take it a little different way, but, like, We've, we've talked about business and we talked about work and clothing industry. Are you like that in relationships too? Like you're always like keeping your eyes open, ears open. You're kind of trying to learn about the other person, about yourself. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always trying to better myself for myself and for now my wife. I guess looking back, I was always very observant of, I guess, women. Mm. Not in like a creepy way, but like (laughs) I would just, I wouldn't ever like make the first move or go and talk. I would just be like, like you can tell a lot by how people talk and Mm. 
their interactions with other people and their interactions with like a different group. Like, are they the same person or are they different or, you know, who is this really? Like, what was your journey through dating then? You know, I mean, you said you've always been observant of women and like how they act and you're not the first one to approach. I'm, I'm very similar in that way, but I don't feel, I feel like I had, my learning curve is a very, uh, it's, it's not great. You know, I'm, I'm constantly always trying to figure things out and that's because, uh, I've learned that people are so different and as the time goes on, like people change and not only does the people change, but the world changes, right? Like dating now is different than dating back then. And you said you have a wife, you're married. How long have you guys been married? Since August of last year. August of last year. Okay. Oh, congrats. Married. congrats. Yeah, thank congrats. you. Thank you. How long have you guys been together? <laughs> Since two or three years before that. Okay. Nice. And were you dating prior to that or just like here and there, very sporadically? wasn't really a focus. I was in a long-term relationship that ended still open-ended. I still don't know. What? Uh, bro, I never got the closure from it. What? So. <laughs> like any closure. No, Wait, so like, you yeah, might no. still be dating. <laughs> I think it's officially over. It's been a couple years, but uh, no, nah, it was like four or five year relationship and then just ghosted, bro. Moved right. ghosted. Moved ghosted. Yeah. What? So, I mean, obviously you didn't get your closure, but did you make attempts of like trying to figure out what the hell happened? Yeah, but I mean, there's only so much like reaching out you can do before you just feel like a dipshit. Well, I yeah. mean, four or five year relationship, I, I can understand that if it was like maybe a half year relationship, but four or five years, your life must be somewhat like intermingled, right? You probably have similar friends or have met the family members. So, you know, maybe not directly reaching out to her, but you could be like, hey, Brad, like, do you know what happened to whoever? It's like she hasn't responded to any of my things for the past like, you know, four days a week. Because I'm I I know for a fact that you're not alone in this because I've heard about other people talking about it. But I just never know like how do you follow up? Like if that happens to me, I I think I would probably, especially if it's been a while, I would be worried. First of all, I'd be like, what the fuck? Like not even worried about me as in like, did I do something wrong? But I'd be like, is this person alive? Like, did something happen to them, you know? I'm sure there's a lot that runs through your mind when something like that happens, right? Yeah. I guess, like, looking back after you're not emotionally involved in the situation anymore, you start to see things that were red flags that you didn't really care about. Mm. But I guess I've just always been the... Like, I'm not the jealous type or the, like, creepy stalker type mm. to where it's like, oh, you haven't texted me in three hours? What are you doing? Like, I don't fucking care like you have your own life to live like get back to me we can hang out when we hang out um but you know she would always come over to like my house and hang out with my family and like it would be fine and she wasn't from here uh she was from up north and so like going up on a nine-hour drive to hang out with her family wasn't really an option every saturday you know mm -hmm. what i mean but she was she was quite a bit older than I was too. So I was 18 and she was 24, 25. Which I mean, in the grand scheme of things isn't that much of an age difference, but when you're 18 and she's 25, yeah, that's, that's like a, yeah, completely different life. Yeah. Um and so it was always weird whenever I would go over to her place and 
<laughs> without getting into too much detail. <laughs> No, I would all just the detail. all the details, bro. You're gonna make me. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm over it. Best to you if you ever see this and you know your name, but fuck you. Uh, yes, you finally get to see. Wow, this is the closure. This is the closure. That's, nah, I think oh, what man. it came down to was is like she was married, and then I was the side piece forever. Whoa. Oh. Bro, I've never met anybody. Like, I thought I was, like, pretty good with mind games. But, like, looking back, I was like, you got fucking schooled and, like, learned from the best on yeah. how to play the game. Wow. Jeez. And, yeah, it was, it was fucking weird when I finally came to that realization because I was just sitting there going back and forth with my friend about it, and he's the one who brought it up. And I was just like, oh, you're fucking, wait, you may be on to something. Because <laughs> there was a couple times where it was odd how she acted. But again, I was just like, I don't, I don't like consume myself with those thoughts because it's just self-destructive. Yeah. yeah. Like, um, like if you're going to cheat, you're going to cheat, bro. Like, yeah. is what it is. You've never uh, tried try to track her down or anything? or For what? I mean, back not now, but like back then, like right after it happened. I mean, there was obviously like me reaching out, but yeah. she made it pretty clear that, yo, yeah. we're done. Was there like a fight or anything at least beforehand? Nothing? No, nah, oh, bro. Man. It was on my parents' anniversary. Oh. So I took, at the time, I was working at the hospital and was somehow able to finesse three weeks off, which still don't know how that happened. <laughs> um, and the only reason I remember it is because I was supposed to go out for New Year's and up with her in Northern California. And she was already there with her family. And I had gotten my PTO or whatever. And my parents' anniversary is the 27th of December. And I was at dinner with them. Car was all packed. I was ready to go. And then I just get the text, like, yo, don't come, like, all this shit, like, we're done. I was like, what the fuck? Like, I don't think it was like, I hurt. But I was like, bro, I just burned three weeks of PTO. Like, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, and then that was literally, like, there was, like, a little back and forth, but that was, like, that was it. Yeah, right after that. Never fucking saw her again. Oh, so I'm going to ask you this. What was the timeline between... Her and your now wife. Oh. Like, was there a year gap, two year gap, three year gap? I would say it was like two years, maybe three years. So, damn, two, three years. And I, because I'm trying to understand it, I feel like if I was in your situation, I would be fucked up for a little while. You know, like, I'll, I'll kind of give you some context. Like, I got out of like a four year one right now, and I haven't even like, thought about dating really and it's been like a year and a half almost so very similar situations right but mine didn't end like that so i feel like i got the closure you know i just need to like move on and take my time with myself but if i was in a relationship where it's like i didn't really fully get the closure and not only that but it's like through a circumstance of like cheating i would have to take a lot of time to heal you know, and it seems like if you've gone to another relationship and now she's like your wife, 
there must have been either a lot of healing going on within those one or two years, or this person, your now wife, just happened to help you through a lot of it. So it was... It was, like, weird. So after it happened, obviously I was fucked up like anybody would be. Yeah. Um, you can say, oh, I don't care. Like, But, but like, deep down, like, yeah. that shit hurt. And one of my really good friends in college, actually, like, one of my only friends from college was, like, concerned. Not that I was going to do anything dumb, but just, like, yo, like, you should probably, like, talk to somebody about this. Like, yeah. it's not good to, like, hold it in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we had the same uh, sports psychology professor, or the same sports psychology class with the same professor. She was like, why don't you go talk to her? And I was like, I don't need fucking therapy. Like, that's, you know, like... I just wasn't about it. And then she just kept saying it and saying it and saying it. And then I was like, fuck, fine. Like, I'll go, like, talk with her. And, like, she had already, she had, like, set the whole thing up, like, for me already. Oh, That's wow. That's a good friend. That's a good-ass friend. That's a good-ass friend. friend. She's, like, one of the best friends I ever had. Shouts out to Ari. Hey, shouts Ari? to Ari. Ari. Shout out to Ari. Yeah, she married a Navy SEAL, and they're fucking killing it in Texas. <laughs> nice. So, and what it boiled down to was, is, like, I went maybe, like, six or seven times. And just talked to the, uh, this professor because she was really cool and, like, just down to earth, not judgy or anything. And it just narrowed down to, like, you guys had, you know, different values in life. And I feel like just accepting that made it, like, it oversimplified it, but it made it easy mm. to accept. Where it was just, like, she didn't value me the way that I valued her. And that's fine. And just, like, being okay with that. Not that it makes the way anything went down okay, but, like, just looking at it in simple terms like that helped a lot. And then with my wife now, it was, like, we valued each other the same. Like, everything everything that needed to match up matched up. Obviously, like, we fight and bicker and, like, all that shit, but that's normal. Yeah. Um but the big things matched up. And so I guess that's what, what was different and what helped me get through it, mm. where it was just looking at it in very simple terms, where it's just values. Like, you can't take it personally, per se, even though it's very personal. Yeah. But, like, it may have not been you. It may have just been, like, they didn't value you the way that you valued them. Yeah. So it was a, mishmash, a mix match of expectations. Sometimes that's all it is. Like you just need to shift your perspective and realize like for you, it was like, oh, this person has different values, you know, and that does help you heal. That does help you like get over like, you know, emotional trauma. Yeah. Was there anything else that helped? Um, anything else you did or did you have any, did you spiral at all? I actually did the reverse. Um, I actually got sober. Oh. It was like right around the end of the relationship yeah. is when... I stopped drinking. I shouldn't say I'm sober. I don't drink. Um, but I wouldn't say I spiraled. I just became very, like, focused, like, honed, and translates into other things like school and YouTube University and shit. But I feel like it helped express that, like, very type A personality of, like, being in control of the situation. And... Not like controlling people, but like the situation itself. Mm -hmm. 
and like always coming prepared mm -hmm. and having a backup plan and a backup plan for that backup for each situation. Um, so I think it actually did more good than bad. <laughs> oh, wow. We actually, we talked about this with um, Nate, I think, where it's like, uh, different guests that we had on sometimes when like you've experienced these heartbreaks or relationships like end and stuff it forces you to it, it forces you to like look at yourself and it forces you to grow and it pushes you towards like a different kind of like something you wouldn't have experienced without that you know relationship ending because I've experienced that too and I used to be like oh man I can't wait till they break my heart like I just keep getting better like every single time I've had like a, a heartbreak or something like that was like really significant it pushed me to like like really looking at myself and trying to like shore up my like own mistakes or insecurities stuff that I could work on so I totally agree with like you know probably was a good a good thing like in hindsight I guess it's yeah. easier to say but definitely in those like everybody's experienced it where you're just like laying in bed, staring at your ceiling, like yeah. thinking about yeah. fucking everything. And you're just like, bro, what is going on? Or like in the shower. Oh, when, the shower one, yep. The and, hot water run on you. Just, yeah, and you've just been standing there. <laughs> you like lose track of time and then you like come back to it and you're like, oh shit, like how long have I been standing here? Mm -hmm. Like thinking about this, but I don't know. It's like weird because you're not gonna be like, oh, like yeah, go get your heart broken and you'll learn a lot about yourself. But it's just bound to happen yep. if you're willing to, I guess, look inwards, as opposed to just be like, oh, well, like I'm gonna go get revenge or whatever. <laughs> like, I'm gonna, you know, make sure she sees me on social media and like all this shit. I'm just like, bro, like that's some like childish shit. Yeah, but I don't know. I guess like just analyzing. What led you to that point? Like, it wasn't a single action. It was a series of actions by both of you that led you to a specific point. And what can you learn from those? Because it's never... A breakup is never just, like, right here. This is exactly why. It was... Yeah. Well, this was the straw that broke the camel's back, but then you did all these other things too. Now that I'm thinking about it, that yeah. really pissed me off. And so, like, if that's the situation, then that's a lack of communication because I never knew that all these things pissed you off. Hmm. And, like, yeah, and like you're justified for this one, but I didn't know about all that other stuff. And then you start to see them less as like an enemy and more of like a human, where it's like, oh, like, yeah, like, I'm calling it off, but, like, at the same time, like, I need to communicate better because, like, I didn't do any of this stuff. It, it seems like you have a good amount of, like, self-awareness and, you know, awareness of, like, your relationships. Is that something you've always had or you just, you built that or? I really got into, like, reading philosophy books, which was, I guess, odd. <laughs> like, I love philosophy. Um, and, like, listening to podcasts and stuff like that. But it was just... I guess not being the victim. Yeah. It was like, you're responsible for everything that happens to you in your life, even if it's not your fault, but you're responsible for how you react to it. And if you really take that to heart, then it still sucks getting broken up with. It still sucks getting in that car accident, Yeah, you know, but like you can sit there and be pissed off at the other driver all you want. You ran the red light, you ran the stop sign, you did this. But like, what did you do? Yeah. Or, like, where do, where do you go from here? So it's like you get rear-ended. Like, yeah, that's just fucking annoying. You got to deal with the insurance company and go in to get a rental. And, like, you were missed a day of work and your boss is pissed at you now. But it's like, 
okay, well, like, you're alive and shit happens and your car is getting fixed and it didn't cost you any money. And so, like, you were mad, but, like, did that anger really solve anything? Like, at the end of the day, like, yeah, bro knows you're mad now. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? But, like, you know, maybe he was texting and, like, didn't look up. Maybe that'll teach him to not text and drive anymore. Maybe it won't. Who knows? But, again, like, you're responsible for your life. And the way you react to events in your life. Exactly. You know? it, it's a lot of like stoicism. It's a lot of having like emotional control over like your reactions. Because there's little stuff in the day that are going to piss you off. Emails, people, work, accidents, whatever. But you choose how you decide to feel and respond to these kinds of things. I've up with that. That's, that's how I am as well. And I guess it's just like removing the ego from the situation. Like, you get pissed off because somebody cut you off. Yep. Like, I've cut people off before on accident. It's not like I'm looking at that guy and be like, oh, fuck that guy. I'm going to cut him off. Like, I really don't like that guy. It's like, you just do it accidentally. But then you get really pissed at somebody for doing it to you. Like, they meant to do it to you. Like, oh, I'm already having a bad day. And then this dude cuts me off. It's like, bro, they didn't mean to do it to you. Yeah. Maybe they just didn't see you. Maybe they didn't look in their blind spot. Or maybe like, they deserve it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe. Maybe they're just trying to be a dick, you know? But I don't know. I guess, like, removing yourself and being like, bro, like, you're really not that big of a deal. Yep. Like, calm down is, I guess, another important aspect of it. All right, so, you know, usually I would have a question to ask you, but I actually have something to comment on more. <laughs> and, uh, you know, kind of going back to your whole relationship when you, you know, found out that she possibly was cheating or already in a marriage. I'm going to say one thing, right? I just want to get some more context. You said that you you were 18 when you guys started dating, but did you guys meet when you were 18 too, or did she know you prior to that? No, we met. I was like 18 or 19 when we met. Okay, 18 or 19. Because she was a bartender and I was a server. Okay. And I got that job like... The summer after I graduated. Yeah, so I was 18 because it was the yeah. summer after I graduated high school. Yeah. The classic love 18. story, coworkers, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that I have no problem with, right? But when you said that she was 25 and you guys are dating 18, 25, and I'm just saying, like, again, I don't have anything against people who date younger. I've dated younger, but I think there is a certain phase in your life that you kind of have to go through when you're dating like someone that's younger than you for them to kind of match up and i would say if you were to flip the script and say that you know you were 25 and you were dating her when she was 18 people would be like what the fuck is going on right <laughs> and i'm just saying that kind of person is probably the same fucking person that would cheat and have a fucking relationship with someone else. Because to me, I feel like there is like a moral compass when you look at things, right? And and I would even be okay with justifying that age gap if it was like decades ago. But we live in a day and age where those things are brought to light all the fucking time. So in a way, it's like as human beings, and like I said, times evolve, we should know better, right? And I feel like I didn't say it earlier because you seem like such a nice dude that I feel like you want to say yourself, you know, and maybe you don't even think about it like that, but now to hear it, I'm just like, what the fuck? You know, like to, to me that, that upsets me that if you were, if I were to be in her shoes and date like an 18 year old, which I wouldn't, but assuming that I would do that, right. I would at least fucking not fuck this person up because you're 18. You're still so fucking malleable that it could definitely cause so much trauma to you. And like, that's why I asked if like, you healed 
like so soon after that? Or did it take you time? Or are there things that you're still dealing with today that's lingering from that? Because that's fucked up, dude. That's fucked up that she did that. And that's fucked up that she probably took advantage of that. And anyone out there who's thinking about do shit like that, if, if you fuck me, <laughs> while it is fucking legal, realize that it's your responsibility to take care of this fucking person who's in a phase of life that they're still learning. You know, they're still just, you're barely an adult, you know, even by American standards. You know what I mean? Like, you're yeah. barely an adult at that fucking point. Like, I don't think that that was fair to you. And I'm glad that it seems like you've healed and you found someone that you could share your love with and, you know, be committed to. But fuck, dude, if it went the other way, I probably couldn't even blame you. You know what I mean? If it went the other way and you fucking, like, did not improve and your life fucking sucked, I'd be like, I could kind of see why, you know? And it goes back to maybe you had that mentality from reading all the philosophies books, but that, yeah, your life is your own and, you know, it's, everything's up to you, right? But sometimes when things like that happen, no, not I, I wouldn't agree with that. I would say that it really is on the other person. You know what I mean? Like, it, it is a great way to take your power back in your life, but you can't exempt those people. No, you know I, mean? I guess I just didn't want to give that satisfaction of being like, damn, like she had that much control over me. And like, nah, like, fuck you. Like, I'm still going to be fine. Plot twist, his wife is 18. <laughs> <laughs> nah, she's older. She's only three months older than I am. So, you know, I learned. Okay. okay. You can't go seven years. You only got to go three months. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do think, I mean, I, I tell my friends this and stuff too, where it's like, I think it's weird when people date like way way younger and i know it's kind of expected for men to do that where it's like oh she's like 10 7 years younger than you i, I thought you were gonna say she was 10 i was like jesus no, christ no. i feel like it's so hard to find someone that's mentally matured you know with you or at your level when you're trying to date someone who's like 10 years younger than you like there's so many experiences that you haven't had it's in obviously that's like on the average because not everyone has that same experience some younger people are more mature you know but i feel like it's just weird to me when I see these relationships that are so different in ages, you know, and I, I sometimes I feel like the weird, the, the odd one out because everyone's like, you know, most guys do date way younger than themselves, like, you know, five, seven, ten years, even more sometimes. But I'm like, dude, I, as a 32-year-old man, cannot imagine myself with like a 22-year-old, you know, that's just, it's weird. It's like a child. Yeah. I don't know. I guess <laughs> I, I've had friends that are like that and... I guess I just hit them with, like, they'll tell me all this bullshit. And I'll just be like, damn, that's crazy. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, imagine, never would have expected that of somebody who's seven years younger than you. You know what I mean? When it's, yeah. like, exactly what you would expect, like, a 19-year-old to be doing when you're 25. Yeah. And, you know, just hear my friends complaining about, like, oh, she's doing this, she's doing that. I'm like, damn, that's crazy. Like, <laughs> not my problem, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, I'm, I'm, I'm just like, bro, like, you put yourself in this situation. I guess from what I've learned, like, you really find out how somebody's going to be between 20 and 22. Because that 21st birthday, especially if you're in a relationship, will make or break a relationship. And I feel like it's mostly guys who can't handle their like if a guy is 22 and can go out to bars and kind of like sneak his girl in because she's 20 let's say then they can't handle when their girl turns 21 and wants to go out to the bars oh, by herself yeah i don't know why at least from like my experiences that's what it's been like yeah. the guys are the ones that have all the trust issues 
And also, in my experience, is because the guys are usually fucking off. And they're just like, oh, well, like, if I'm doing this, like, I know how I am at bars, so that's how all guys must be at bars, and that's what's going to happen to her if she goes to the bar with her friends, especially if she's wearing that. Like, yeah. my wife goes to the bar, I'm like, later, bro, like, be quiet when you come home, I'm going to be sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no trust issues here. So I don't, I mean, bro, what's she going to do? Yeah, yeah, I like, agree. What's the, like, what's the worst thing that she could do? Nothing that hasn't already been done to me. And so I'm just like, go, like, go have fun. But like, I don't know. I don't want to be there like text. Like, I don't want to be on my phone that much. Like, I don't need to know everything that you're doing. Like, like an update now and then would be nice. But like, I don't need to know. Like, yeah. you're a grown ass woman. Like, you can handle yourself or you can't. But like, you've never given me any reason not to trust you. So like, why would I just constantly stir the pot and expect an update every 20 minutes mm. like fuck that like go have fun do you find it hard to trust to give that kind of trust with a like a your partner in the beginning is that something that she earned or is that just how you are you're willing to trust until someone fucks up i just feel like i don't know i feel like i just don't trust anybody and that isn't good mm. but <laughs> it also it also puts you in a situation where like you can't get hurt and that's definitely a coping mechanism. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because it's like, you like expect them to do something. And then that way, when it does happen, you're just like, fuck it. Like, I knew it was going to happen at some point. It's like you're prepping for it. Yeah. Which, I mean, isn't good. But it's not even like, I don't know. Like, our life is so, like, enmeshed together that... I just think, like, in general, when women cheat, it's for different reasons than guys. Obviously, that's painting with a broad brush, but mm -hmm. I just don't see her, like, fucking up the life that she has for, like, one night. Yeah. And, you know, if she does, then that's on you. Like, I trust that she won't do that. Mm -hmm. And so I guess, like, my trust relationship with her is different than it is with most people. Because with most people, I'm just like, I don't trust you. Like, I'll, I can work with you. I can have a conversation with you. We can be friends. You know what I mean? But, like, I'm expecting you to fuck up. Wow. Is that something that's happened? Like, you've always been that way? Or is that, you know? Yeah. Something? And maybe it's just because, like, some of my friends have done me pretty dirty yeah. in the past. But, you know, not all of them. Like, I still, I have, like, a very small group of friends. And... They're still my friends for a reason, but I just, I don't know. I don't know if it's the best, but it's just me. Mm. It's not like advice to be like, oh, don't, <laughs> don't trust, trust anyone. Don't trust anybody. <laughs> like, TNB, trust my <laughs> experiences have like led me to kind of be like that, where it's just yeah. like, oh, so-and-so did this. I'm like, oh, well, knew that was coming. So mm. for your wife, was it, I'm assuming you didn't trust her at first either when you guys first met and everything. Did she like have to earn that trust with you or is it just, you just felt this person like, this is the person for me because I can trust you. Like, was there some kind of like, you know, event or just her personality, something that like got you to that point? Cause I would say it would be a combination of both of those things. Okay. Like it wasn't like she just had to earn it. Like I felt comfortable with her. Mm. And she was just somebody who, like, never lied even about, like, little things up front, which I 
think definitely helped. Because I feel like little lies up front are like more detrimental than like huge lies later on. And she builds up. Yeah. And so it was always just like straight up. And there was never any real like dumb bullshit with her. She'd be like, oh, like I'm going to go to the bar with my friends. I'm like, have fun. And then she'll be like, I'll probably be home like around 11, 1130, you know, like 1110. Hey, like I'm leaving right now, just waiting for the Uber. And then it was like, okay, like you're not coming home at like 4 a.m. And I'd be like, where the fuck were you? Like mm. nothing good happens. It, nothing you know, good happens after 2 a.m. 2? Is it Tim? Is that someone you're supposed to go home after the bars? Or at least in Cali, it might be four at, in like New York or some shit. It's yeah. four. Bar's not my thing. Yeah. New, like New I can go and have fun, yeah. but like I got friends that are like at the bar every week and I'm like, bro, like oh. I don't know how you do this shit. Hmm. Like, <laughs> I don't know, man. Just, just built different. <laughs> just built for it. So there's that. No, bro, I just get tired. Me too. And then. I feel like if I'm out that late, I sleep in too long. And then I just feel like I fucked off two days instead yeah. of just like one. And this is you sober. Like yeah. Just being out late. Or yeah. Getting you to it. Wow. That's. Yeah, well, Cause well. like I've been sober since I was, I don't know. It wasn't like a set date where I was like, this is it. Yeah. It was just kind of like a gradual thing. I think I was like 21 or 22 mm. when Whoa. I stopped, when I stopped drinking. At, yeah. Like completely. Yeah. Just like cold turkey. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. That's so wild. what do you do when, when people tell you to drink or ask you to drink and stuff? Like, you just, nah, man. Well, like my friends that I've been around forever, like oh, they, they know. Yeah. But if it's somebody like that's newer to the group, like, hey, you want a beer? I'm like, nah, man, I'm good. Thank you. Like, do people ever try and peer pressure you? Not anymore. Right. Like when it first happened, they're like, come on, come get drunk. Like, well, I'm like, oh, fool. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's true. That That is how it works. My, my brother doesn't drink. He's never really drank, you know, and... Everyone in the group knows, so we just ask them to drive. Like we, we, we don't ask them to drink anymore. It's the other D, you know. So that was like my first business, right there, dude. What do you mean? Like all my homies would just hit me up to drive, and uh, or they would call me and be like, "Hey, like I'll give you twenty bucks to come pick me." I'm like, "All right, dude, let's go. nice, nice." So I was like, "So you always been a businessman." Yeah. And that's how you founded Uber. <laughs> I wish I actually did work for this company. That was founded around the same time as Uber. One of, like, a friend of a friend started. It was called Drunk Rescue. Oh, wow. And it was like Uber, but we would drive your car home. Oh. And so you would bike there? No. So they had, like, a company car. They, they like, scraped together, like, 10 grand and, like, put a down payment on this little Fiat. And then there was, like, a, like a phone line that they would call. I don't know. It was, like, outsourced to, like, wherever phone companies outsource their shit mm-hmm. to, like, India or wherever. And they'd be like, hey, I'm at this bar. Like, I need a ride. And it's like, okay. Then, like, one person would drive the Fiat, drop us off, and then follow us home. <laughs> or follow us back to their pad in their car. I don't know what happened. I just remember picking the owners up from a Juicy J concert. And then, <laughs> and then like, two weeks later, they were like, yeah, we're done, bro. I was like, oh, wow. okay. <laughs> That's actually crazy. It was fun while it lasted. They do that in China. But oh, it's do the uh, same thing? Uh, not like that. So they'll do it with bikes. Like, people will mm. bike. Like you, it's kind of like Uber and stuff. And you'll be like, oh, I'm drunk at this place. And you're with your car there. Mm-hmm. So they'll come on the little bicycle and stuff. And it's like, put it back, put it yeah. in your trunk. And then oh, drive okay. you there, drop you off. And then bike wherever the hell they're going to go next. Mm. Yeah, you can't get out of here. Hell no. <laughs> you never get back to your business. That's far. Like, <laughs> yo, I'm in Long Beach. But like, damn, that sucks, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in Sue. <laughs> you know what? I, I, maybe that business was just not viable at the time. Because how long ago was that? 
like 2013, 2014. Okay, so it's been a while, 10 years then. So the reason why I say that is because, you know, even when Uber first started, it wasn't really adopted right away, especially when it came to, for the reason of drinking and driving, you know? Like, now it's widely accepted, like, oh, if you're going to go out have a drink, like, just call Uber. Like, why not? But I also have to notice that there's some people who are extremely stubborn about that, and they will not call Uber, and they will still drive. And then now it causes a lot of complications because usually you'll find the sober friend who will drive that car back, right? But you don't always have that, especially if it's like a big group of friends who are drinking. Like, you're going to have one sober person drive 10 people back in a Fiat. You know what I mean? Like, that doesn't work. You know, we're not clowns. That shit don't work like that. So. Yeah, so me, just wrong time, you know me, right? I did, just, just wrong time. It could still possibly happen because, yeah, I, some people, for whatever reason, they feel very unsafe when they're not around their car. They just feel like something's going to happen to their car, so therefore they have to take it with them everywhere, right? But if someone's going to be able to drive with them, maybe not a bad idea, but maybe also not a great idea, but, you know, the clientele's there. I feel like everything that we talked about that might have sounded kind of like dumb at the time they became big companies you know what i mean like you talk about uber like oh so it's like a taxi that you have on an app instead of you call them and but that's actually convenient if you think about it exactly exactly if you're hammered you're not trying to explain to somebody where you are you just hit the app and it like yeah. knows where i've honestly never used uber oh really because when i stopped drinking before it came about so i've never had a reason to use it oh uh, but you never um, like traveled somewhere and not have a car and you just call Uber. Oh wow! I mean, when I was in, like, when I go to Europe, cabs, but it's like the transportation system there is different. So yeah. Uber really wouldn't work there because mass transportation in Europe is much better than it is here. Yeah. So you've never, never used an Uber. We're gonna call Uber right now. Is there Uber right now? Is there Uber in Vegas? Yeah. Uh, yeah, there is. Maybe I used it in Vegas, okay. but not me using it. Like yeah. I went so into a friend's. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. But I've I've never had the app. Like people are like, oh, like you get the free first ride or whatever. I'm like, yeah, bro, yeah. I'm not downloading that and setting all that <laughs> shit up. Like just pay 10 bucks to go here. Bro. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And plus, to be fair, I, I do group up all the ride share apps yeah, as, as Uber. Uber. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, you know, there's no Uber in like Vietnam. It's like, called Gojek or some shit like that. And that's what I use. You know what I mean? Oh, no, it's called Grab. But, uh, you know, to me... That, it's called well, Grab? Grab. Like G-R-A-B. That's kind of sus. Yeah, right? Is it? I don't know. Yeah. I mean... I don't know. Vietnam I think in Vietnam is probably... A little, yeah, Vietnam is sus. But <laughs> maybe it means a little different in Vietnam, you know? Maybe. Because the locals use it. You know, you, you download when you're there for vacation, <laughs> you come back. But it's mainly a local thing. Okay. And they're not like, Grab sounds sus. It's probably not in their vernacular like that, right? It just... Not something to use, but or maybe it's an acronym. It could be. I don't know too much about the company. Mm. That just picks me up. I did want to ask you guys something uh, from the topic we were talking about before about like dating, like younger and stuff. Do you guys need your partners to be malleable? Like, do you want to be able to shape your partner in a certain way? Because some of the uh, some of the guys that I've talked to and some of the people that tell me like why they date younger is because they want a girl who is more of a blank slate, more malleable, so they can like show them and teach them the things that they want. Is that something that you guys relate I've heard to? That. Relate to? I would say to a certain degree. Like I don't want to date someone who's not going to learn shit from me because they just fucking think they know it all. Like why the fuck would I? You know? And I love sharing that 
mumming with them, you know, and they don't necessarily have to be young to do that. They just necessarily not know the things that I know. That's pretty much it. Like, I, you know, when I was in that 10-year relationship, like, I learned a lot from her. She learned a lot from me. And I think now that we've separated, if we were ever to talk, not say it's like a couple because I would never get back together. But, <laughs> like, like, there are things that we could we could learn from each other still, you know, even as, like, friends. And I view my friends even the same way. You know what I mean? Like, I don't – there's no one in my friend group or, some like, the people that I care about that I don't believe that I can contribute some value to, right? And I think – when I got out of those relationships, it's typically because now I feel like I can't, I no longer bring value to your life, right? I can't show you something that you didn't know or help you through something that you couldn't figure out on your own. So, yeah, I, I would say I, I, I can see why, you know, especially as males, like you kind of want to be the provider. And I don't even feel like that just about my significant other. I feel like that about my cousin, you know, I want to provide him value. You know, he's he's younger. And even if he wasn't younger, you know, like... I still talk to my mom and dad about things that I'm like, let me show you this. You know, maybe you could do this or that. And they're obviously old than I am. So I think it is more of a, I guess, a question of value. Do you bring value and can they get something out of you and being around you? I, I would agree. And I feel like with life experiences, you have a lot more that you could contribute to someone. Hopefully, you know, being like a, a value per- valuable person in society. You know, I, that's that's the way I would see it. But I guess I never really want to shape anybody. Yeah. Like I want to find somebody who has similar values but not like a carbon copy of me cuz that'd be weird. Yeah. But then if you like I guess just using the example that you said where you're shaping somebody who's young, like they're valuing it because you value it, not because they do. And maybe because they are so young and they have this perception of, I can't lose him, he's everything, or her, or, you know, it goes both ways, where they'll do anything for you for you, not for them. Yeah. But I don't necessarily want that. Like, I don't want anybody to be reliant on me. Like, even like my wife, I was like, I don't want you to need me. Like, that's too much pressure. Mm -hmm. Like, I need you to be self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. But, like, we're here and, you know, we bring each other up. But, like, I don't want you to need me because yeah. I don't need you. Mm-hmm. Like, well, we're both good and we're good together and what we have works and we're cultivating, like, an environment for success. Not in this, like, weird power couple thing, but it's just, <laughs> like, we work, like, well together. Mm-hmm. And to be able to, like, live with somebody else, that's what I mean. Um, but, yeah, I wouldn't want to be, like molding like I don't know that's just like like grooming somebody yeah. to be like oh like you need to value this because of this and then people are like well why do you like that and they're like oh well because he said so and mm. like, that's that's just weird that's like hella controlling one which, of my friends has a saying um I want uh when dating someone's like I, I want to be beer not water I want you to want me not need me mm-hmm. I feel like I hear that a lot said in different ways you know same thing it's like I don't want you to be dependent of me. I want you to know that you could depend on me. Like, that's two different things, right? Even though it sounds, like, so similar. And, you know, I, I think that's what it comes to. Is because if we really look at what we need, you know, like food, water, you know, or health, like, things like that, that's, like, a necessity, right? But 
oftentimes people romanticize it, so they use it as, I wouldn't say like uh, a weapon, sorry for lack of a better word. They, they use it as a way to pull you in, reel you in more like, I need you, so therefore like you can't leave me because you are now a necessity to my life when that's not the reality of things, you know? Like the reality is like you want to be with me, you know, and you, you desire to be with me, not necessarily that it's a need, but it's hard for some people to discern from that because it is a very emotional place that you come from when people say that. It's very rare that people say it like, yeah, I need you. It's like, I need you. You know, there, there's an emphasis on it because like they feel so strongly about it. I need you. But that's like the <laughs> ultimate manipulation tactic. It yeah. is, but and it's, it's that's like, why it's hard because some people don't understand that's what they're doing because they see it so often in movies and you know maybe romantic novels that that's how they feel they should really express their emotions. And that is a double-edged sword, you know? It it could keep this person here with you, but you're also doing something that's not really healthy to the relationship. And maybe that same person who's thinking that mindset is the reason why they have to say that. Like if you say that to keep someone there with you, that means there's probably a lot more underlying issues why they want to leave that comes from that. You know, uh, I know people talk about, like, attachment. Was it attachment? Styles. Is it attachment styles? Depends, yeah. Where it's like you have the avoidant kind? Yeah, that's the styles. Yeah, attachment styles. Can you elaborate on that more? Because I only know of a couple, which is uh, the ones I've experienced. Uh, it's, just, it's just talking about the way you... Um, attach yourself to your partner and the way you kind of, kind of interact in that well or, where some people are avoided in situations where it's like, you know, you have something where you need to talk about and, you know, you avoid these things or if you have something where it's like you're really needy about it and it's like that's the way you show your love by like being like extra needy. Um, I don't know the other ones either, but there's, I know those two. There's one that's supposed to like be really good or something like that. It's like it goes one, two, three kind? and then there's like the, oh, there's codependent and like obviously it's the same thing, you know. Um, and there's, let's put it here. Yeah, we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to look it up. We'll, <laughs> we'll link the video. Right we're, here. <laughs> we're, we're not experts, but, but it's good to know. So we'll, we'll put it in the video after we put it in the edit. It's super interesting to hear about that because, you know, you're just kind of taught to be, to, to communicate through that kind of like a attachment language, right? Where like needs and wants and desires is like kind of mixed and kind of confusing. But as we grow up, we understand, like, what's more manipulative. But I also do think because it's more broadly known about now that people are going to adjust. The people who are the manipulators, they're not going to quite say that. <laughs> I'll just be honest because, like, I've been, I, you know, I'll be honest. Like, I've been manipulative. I've said shit like that. You know what I mean? To Like, that's why that relationship lasted almost 10 years. Like, I know that I shouldn't have done that. And, you know, unfortunately, like, I, I was that fucking person at one point in my life, you know? But I also know that I hear about a lot from people and therefore if I want to be, I could be also still a manipulative person, just navigating it through a sea of people who might be more woke about the situation, you know? But I think one of the reasons why I say this is because you you spoke about how like it's really hard for you to trust people. And because now more than ever, I feel like it's hard to kind of see through what is genuine and what's not. Because people are so good at like navigating through all these words because, you know, it becomes like, like well known for everyone to see what people talk about and how they like express themselves. Like I, I, it sounds almost like dark because, you know, to, to hear that and just like 
when you said that Mario's expression, I got the same feeling. Like you said, it's easier for you to kind of stray away from it and not get hurt and prep. And like, yeah, it sucks because you, you, you yourself said it's like this might not be the best way for me to think about it, but that's me right now. That's how I feel. And obviously I'm not here to change your life. You know, I'm just trying to understand. <laughs> like, I just want to understand, you know, like, like I, that, like possibly if I was in your shoes, like I might think the same too. And, you know, I, I hope that someday you understand like what works best for you. And right now this might be exactly what you need, but you know, I don't. I don't see you as that person. Like you're, you seem like a such a kind dude that to me it doesn't make sense. And and the only thing that makes sense is like, oh shit, like he's been through some stuff that makes him feel like that, you know. And obviously, now going back to like, you know, that fucking, I don't even want to say this, like the name that I want to call her, just that person that dated you when you were fucking <laughs> that younger. Beep. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I kind of see like why why you feel like that. And it. I don't even know how to explain it, but it's like hurt people hurt people, you know? So it's like maybe she was going through some shit. It doesn't justify what was going on, right? doesn't. Like she fucked up. And like to leave this on you, that that sucks. And I don't get the feeling that you do that, right? Like you're going to stop it right there. Like this is not. I'm not going to reenact what she did just because she did to me. But that does happen a lot where people get cheated on and they tend to also cheat. Right, and I don't feel like that's the case with you. But again, I don't, I don't fully know you. I'm just talking to you right now. <laughs> no, I'm just I mean, what I think. Like that shit sucked. Like I don't want to put anybody else through that. Yeah. Like, yeah, I guess like hurt people hurt people if you don't know how to deal with your shit. Mm-hmm. And like that's not like swinging down. It's just like you getting hurt. And then going out and hurting somebody else is not making anybody in the situation feel good. Yeah. Like, you're going to look back and be like, damn, I was probably a piece of shit. <laughs> She's going to look back at you and be like, yeah, he was a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. And then you're both going to look at the other girl and be like, damn, she was probably a piece of shit. But I don't know. Everybody's got stuff in their lives going on behind closed doors. Not that it makes the action itself better. But I guess it's, again, how you respond to it. Like, if you're going to... I was actually talking about this with my friend. Sort of related, but unrelated. Mm. Like, if somebody steals from you, you think they're a thief. And you don't like that. And while the action itself is wrong, you don't know why that person is stealing. Mm. Like, maybe they that was how they provided for themselves and their family growing up. Because their situation was not as good as yours growing up with both your parents in a house in Huntington Beach. Yeah. Both with stable jobs. Like, you know, like I was blessed. Like very fortunate. But other people weren't. And so just understanding that and again, not saying that the action itself is right, but then teaching to be like, look, you don't need to do this if you want X, Y, or Z, this is how you can approach me to get it or like ask for it. Or, you know, like if you want, like if you want an extra thousand dollars a month, then like, this is what you need to do for me to provide that value. So that way you don't have to steal anything type shit. So it's, 
I just feel like there's always a bigger picture that when you step back and look at the situation, you can, you can like paint it, but it's like opaque. Like you can see somewhat the bigger picture, but you'll never know the details until you talk with that person, if you ever do. But I think just acknowledging that there is a bigger picture is, I guess, part of just being able to cope with shit that does happen to you. So we had a pretty little good convo off camera that I wanted to, you know, reintroduce. Uh, we were kind of talking about um, the way, like, you know, emotions and ideas, like how we take them in. And I wanted to ask your opinion because you said something very, 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 like, wise, very poignant. I just feel like, I think this is what we're talking about. Like, yeah. there's no original idea or that you are not your idea. Like all the ideas that have ever existed or will ever exist, exist. And you just tap into that stream of ideas with whatever other knowledge you have available to you at that time. Like the idea isn't yours. It's just what you believe in right now because of the knowledge that you have. But I just feel like people get offended very easily because they feel like they are their ideas, which... I don't know. I just don't subscribe to that, I guess. Like, I just, I'm not so firm on this is how I am and this is how I'll always be. It's like, this is how I am right now because of this, but I know that there's other possibilities and I'm open to it. It's uh, similar to like mine where I like, uh, like I said, I feel like people are mirrors and we reflect these ideas, thoughts, emotions. That doesn't mean that we are those ideas, thoughts, or emotions, but there's a step that takes to becoming kind of like self-aware of that. And that's why I feel so many people like get stuck on being like, oh, I am this emotion or I am this like idea. And it, like it goes with like, you know, you're sometimes like, like you said, people vote for this and they're like, oh, there's no way I can see why this person like voted for that. And like, I hate them or I don't like them, you know? But it's like, it takes that extra step to like, get yourself out of that like kind of like space where it's like you're you you think you are the thoughts that you're 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 thinking or you think you are these emotions that you're feeling when you're really not you know they all pass through the stream of consciousness consciousness of life and stuff and you can you can tap into these things but you can tap out and i think i think that makes the difference yeah the voting one to me is really funny because i just feel like it gets blown way out of proportion oh, yeah. it doesn't matter which side it's just I just feel like most people that vote vote for one person or the other because of one thing and it's different for everybody but it could be like oh I like their position on taxes or I like their position on foreign policy or I like Mm -hmm. you know their position on the lower class or their position on the upper class it's like they're not thinking of the whole thing in general they're like this person represents my interests the best right here so that's who I'm voting for Mm -hmm. And then there's like a million other things yep. that <laughs> like people are like, well, you support this or that or this or that. I'm like, bro, no, like, it's just like, I like this. Like, that's it. And it's subjective to what you value, you know? A hundred percent. I mean, let's be honest. We're kind of fucked either way. Oh yeah. Every year. So. <laughs> and that's the end of the podcast. <laughs> and we're canceled. <laughs> I did want to ask since, um, you spoke about like having values with like your wife, like that being the primary thing that drove you guys to kind of be together. So I want to ask a little, how did you guys meet? Like, you know, what is your, what's your guys origin story? One of my friends from high school was in this like cornhole league 
Because that's what you do, I guess, when you're becoming an adult. Like, you get excited about, like, scrub daddy sponges and fucking oh, <laughs> so it's, like, oh, adult thought, softball leagues and shit. I thought so. that was an innuendo at first, like, cornhole league. I was like, okay, never mind. <laughs> no, like, <laughs> just kidding. Like, it was, every, it was every Thursday night, and you'd go and play cornhole and, oh. like, actually, like, throwing beanbags at planks of wood and not innuendos. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, where's going with this? And he was just like, okay, well, there's this girl there that I think you would like. And I'm like, damn, bro, like, cornhole though? Like, I, I wasn't, I don't know. Like, it's not something, it's like something you do at a barbecue, but not something I'm like, yeah, I'm going to spend my Thursday night playing cornhole. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like, watched on ESPN on like Thursday mornings. <laughs> ESPN <but>, too. <laughs> yeah. But, and so she was there, started talking and then she actually had like a boyfriend. She had a guy that she was talking to yeah. at the time. And, you know, so I let, again, like let her make all the moves. And I guess like at the time I subscribed to the ideas like, I'm not going to burn your house down, but like I'll bring the gas. <laughs> like, <laughs> but, but you got to do it <laughs> type shit. So I was like, yo, like it's either got, it got to a point where we were talking for like a couple months and I was just like, yo, like it's either gotta be me or him. I was like, mm. make the choice, like nut up. And I was like, there's no wrong answer. I was light like, just, the fire. Yeah. I was like, either light the fire or give me my gas bag because that shit's expensive right now. <laughs> but, and so she made her choice and that was, that period of time is where, like, I was in my I expect you to fuck up, mm. like, trusting phase. Because at that point, like, it wasn't, like, I wouldn't say it was nothing, but it was nothing. Like, I wouldn't let myself cross, like, an emotional boundary with someone who wasn't also willing to go that far. Mm. Because then you're just setting yourself up for failure. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, show me that you're willing to take the risk in like a relationship or stop wasting my fucking time. Mm. Basically one thing I'll do another, we got married <laughs> <laughs> again. Like I, I didn't, I didn't feel comfortable like continuing knowing that she was also possibly talking to somebody else. Yeah. Mm. And again, not that anything was official. So like, I don't view her negatively for mm -hmm. it. Like if you're just like dating around, you're free to talk to whoever you want to. And that's what it was. Mm -hmm. But I was just like, look, like make your decision. Like don't string either of us along. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, I was like, just make a choice and go with it. If it's me, cool. If it's not me, cool. Like just make up your mind and and she made up her mind, and we nice. just, just got married the next day. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, I mean, like, just dated and then moved in together, and then was just like, fuck it, let's get married. And then we went to Hawaii and got married by a legal ordained minister in Hawaii, for sure. <laughs> no. So our friend who actually introduced us is ordained what be became an ordained minister so he could not marry his cousin, but like marry, like perform the wedding for his oh. cousin. There we go. I <laughs> yeah. want to make sure that that was. <laughs> I'm glad right. we clarified everything we're talking about. So that you could perform. from Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> Texas, not far off, but no. So like he, so that he could perform the wedding. Yeah. Mm. 
He's not married to his cousin. <laughs> Shout out to. <laughs> uh, I'm not gonna. I can't. Put, I can't put his name out there like that, bro. So he actually married us, but he. I. I didn't know this at the time, but you can like go to some like online church and just like. Mm-hmm. Give them forty bucks that goes right. straight to Jesus, and they can make you an ordained minister. Uh, Universal Church. Yeah, yeah. And so I can marry you guys right now. I'm Done. already married, bro. Yeah, it's too late, bro. So like, it'd probably it'd be cool if like he could marry us, and but I guess it only it's like it varies by state. So like he would have had to have like paid again. And I was just like, nah, bro. So like we like legally got married here at the courthouse, mm. and then had like a ceremony in Hawaii. Oh, that's cool. Um. Not it, it was like small. It was like my family and like five friends, <laughs> which nice. was perfect. And it cost us zero dollars thanks to rewards points from Chase hey. um, for the business experience because I was out there meeting with a <laughs> <laughs> I actually was and it just never panned out. But um the wedding charts his business card. <laughs> <laughs> no, we literally just rolled up to the botanical gardens and was like, yo, make this quick before they like come and kick us out. Yeah. Cause I don't know. And so my friend just did it really quick. It was like 15 minutes and then we just went and ate. It was perfect. That's perfect. Nice. Yeah. I got friends who spend want... like 80K on a wedding. I mean, that's cool and all if like <laughs> I, like I'd rather put 80K into a house. Yeah. I don't know. I never felt like, and we agreed on this, is like the wedding, like big weddings like that are never for you. It's for everybody else. Mm -hmm. Because it's like, I don't know. Same shit happens. That's true. Like you get married. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. To each their own on that aspect. Because I've had friends that have spent $65,000, $70,000 on like venues and like all this like extravagant shit. And I'm just like, I mean... Whatever makes you happy, bro. Like, it ain't my money, so. Mm -hmm. True. But, yeah, so. Nothing, nothing crazy, but I think we were there for, like, two weeks. Something like that. Stayed with some friends, and then she'd never been, so I was like, you need to do, like, the super touristy stay in Wikes at the Hilton. (laughs) (laughs) Like, just full experience. So, like, we stayed... Uh, family friend stays in. Where does he stay now? He used to live in Y and I, which was would that be a little much for her? Right off the bat, the west side of Oahu. <laughs> but um, he stays in Pearl City now. Yeah. Nice. So stayed there for like a couple of days and then stayed in Wikes. And so she got the whole from the west side to the east side experience. <laughs> nice. I nice. think. Uh, for me and Peter both were like, you know, happy to see that you got your, you know, after the shit you went through to God, at least like, you know, you found that ha- happy ending that's still, you know, continuing. Yeah. And I mean, not to make it sound like anything crazy, like I'm sure there's dudes out there and girls who got it way worse than I did. Oh, but yeah. Oh, yeah. It was just. Wow. Shit you got to overcome in life, I guess. Okay. And everybody's oh, trials are different, but. That was mine, and it's weird because like I don't really think about it that much. But <laughs> you guys just had to go digging. <laughs> <laughs> that we love that you shared, man. Like that was that yeah. was awesome to be honest. Like it's not about the craziest thing ever. It's really about you and your story, 
because there's going to be someone who relates to that more than the craziest shit out there. That's not what we're here to do. That's not the point of the podcast at all. I'm just learning about all the different walks of life, you know, and, and for me, like I've never heard of anything like that. That's news to me. And I'm just here from a place of understanding. And now I get it a little bit better, you know, because a lot of things that you address and a lot of things that I discuss, my ideas now align with it. You know, for me, like, like I said, if I were to be in your shoes, I would probably be really fucked up. But, you know, that's not the case for you. And it shows me that, that you can get out of it. You can be better, you know. And it doesn't have to, like, destroy your life as it does someone else. And you don't have to hurt other people like you've been hurt. And I think that's really more what it's about than anything. So, you know, thanks for sharing. We appreciate it. And, yeah. you know, I'm glad that you opened up. And hopefully you kind of understand a little bit of the both of us more now, too, now that we got get to discuss and know each other a little bit better definitely but, yeah. thank you for coming on bro well, yeah. thank you for having me on guys yeah. all right guys welcome back to lightning round where we ask our guests some rapid fire questions and if they don't answer they got a drink <laughs> mike are you ready yes all right three two one what's your favorite color black Ooh. um if you weren't uh doing what you do now what would you be doing probably still working in the hospital okay if you were a dj what would your dj name be <laughs> Still got to answer. Uh, just my name. Right. DJ Mike. Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite article of clothing, like a from a brand or anything like a Grail piece that you? Use? Oh, uh, I really like this foul play jacket. Um, and I have a FTP shirt that I really fuck with from like way back in the day, like 2013 FTP. Damn. Um. It's the, you can fill in the name of the school if you fuck with the brand, but it's something physical education tea. Uh, when was your first kiss? In church, I was like, I think I was in like seventh or eighth grade. Oh, wow. Yeah. I used to go to church every Sunday with my mom. Aww. And there was this girl there and I was like, yo, and it was like during church. And I was like, this is Ooh, bad. bad. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus is watching. <laughs> Jesus is not stoked on me. <laughs> When's the last time you cried? I can't even remember, bro. It's been at least. Actually, no, I can't remember now. One time, it was like, maybe like a year ago. What makes you happy? Honestly, I guess personal happiness isn't something I really like think about. Mm. What makes me happy? I like cool experiences I get to go on like with my wife. Okay. Like when we go on like road trips, like. We really like the Central Coast. So, like, just going there and, like, finding something new that we both really like or, like, a new hike or some shit, mm. like, that we both really enjoyed, like, that's what makes me happy. Okay. Uh, perfect number of kids. I got three dogs right now, so I'm chilling with that. <laughs> <laughs> Which one's your favorite? Uh, we have this, like, coon hound mixed with a wiener dog mixed with... I don't know. He's just got a crazy personality. He's my favorite. His name's Cash. Oh. Um, do you have a fetish? No. I mean... <laughs> 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 Sex is cool and all, but then, like, have you guys ever had, like, a really good night of sleep? <laughs> like, I've been wanting one of those for a long time. Yeah, me too. Me too. So, My last question is, uh, what's one goal uh, that you have for the year that you want to accomplish? I would like to spend more time with my family. Mm. 
like with work and being married and everything very busy and it's not that like I intend to ignore them but it ends up happening um so I'm trying to see them at least three times a month so we've been pretty good about going over for like dinners on the weekends but just keep that up and actually maintain a relationship with my family instead of just like I like that all right Mike what's your favorite brand I'm a little biased but foul play (laughs) okay What's one thing you need to do before you die? Unique to do before I die? Mm. I'd like to go to space. Mm. Oh, yeah. That's cool. That definitely might be the last thing you do before you die. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite cuisine? I feel like it shifts. Right now, right now, I've been eating a lot of Mexican food. You said you live predominantly in California? Right? Yeah. If you had to live somewhere else, where would that be? Like another state or another country? Either. I have a lot of friends in Phoenix. So I'd move there for the friends, not the heat. Mm. But I really liked Switzerland. So either like Lucerne and in Switzerland or Innsbruck in Austria. Okay. Somewhere. Austria. It's like big, but it's not big. Got it. Got like it. the landscape is big. The cities are small. And for my final question, what is one piece of advice you give to the designers out there? Don't overlook the little things because someone will catch it. (laughs) (laughs) Not in terms of a design, but just don't sidestep. Don't sidestep the little things to get something done faster Mm. because sometimes done is better than perfect, but most of the time it should be done perfect. Nito. All right, guys, that concludes our lightning round. Uh, I want to say thank you to our very special guest, Mike. Let us know where we can find you. I'm on Instagram, but I like to live in reality, so I don't really post shit on there. But you can find me somewhere on that app. (laughs) (laughs) man, Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you, Mike, for sharing everything, for being so vulnerable in a way where I felt like you might have never opened up like that before. And uh, we appreciate you for it. And we appreciate you guys... For watching the podcast all the way through to get here, make sure you like, subscribe, and comment below what you guys want us to talk about next. And remember, live fast, eat ass. ass.